to the Prog Magazine podcast. I'm the editor Jerry Ewing. I'm joined by art editor Russell Fairbrother. Good evening. Good evening. Yes. Yes, now the uh, clocks have gone forward or back. They've gone back. They've gone back. Same yeah. So, yeah, it's getting good evening indeed. Um, yes, it's just the two of us t- tonight, so it'll probably be a bit like the older Smith and Jones. The last Smith and Jones head to head. Two of us say, if you could see us actually, we kind of say pretty much head to head. Although hopefully it won't get any more Derek and Clive. No, it might be like um, the two Ronnies when they're going, um, so I saw my wife in the all, what, all, all together? <laughs> so, right, what are we, yeah, we going to talk about tonight? Well, we've got some questions from the readers. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, we've got a brand new issue of Prog that uh, was, is on sale today. No, it was on sale yesterday. Yesterday. On sale yesterday, so we're going to have a chat about that, uh, chat about the Prog Awards. Um, but I think uh, we're quite excited because tonight, uh, both Russ and I are off to see Caligula's Horse, along with uh, Circles and I Built the Sky, a nice little Aussie triple bill up in uh, at the Boston Music Arms. No, excellent. Looking forward to it. Even if he's quite a late start for Caligula's Horse for someone who has to get back to Eastbourne. Well, if you all live on the south coast, for some of us, for some of us live just up the road in Muswell Hill. You know, I might hang around, have a few it's beers your after. Local, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, good bill. Uh, we're seeing more and more um, Aussie bands coming over, aren't we? Um, certainly in the sort of progressive realm. Um, I saw a Lithia play with um, Leprous up at the upstairs at the Boston Music. Uh, uh, not yeah, yes, Boston. That was we, we were there. We, that was that when was, um, Mariana. Yes. Was stepped in as the vocals. Yes, she did. Yes, in fact, and in fact, there's because uh, we've got an Alithia feature running in the issue we're working on now. They talk about that and the reasons why. So, uh, well, it's yes. interesting to hear Mariana from I Am the Morning do prog metal. Actually, was, yeah, I mean, yeah, for quite a few years she she does acoustic covers of Opeth on Facebook. Yeah, and yeah. Well, she's got a powerful voice on her, hasn't she? I mean, you see, I know that, um, you know, that, that there's, there's a sort of certain sensitivity and frailty to some of I in the morning's music, but she's got, she's got a pair of lungs on her. Yeah, no, definitely. Wasn't no. overshadowed by the rest of the band at that gig. Not at all. No, no, I, I really enjoyed it. But, that, uh, yeah, t- I mean, tonight, obviously, Cleaking and Sorts really sort of start to make a name for themselves. Obviously, being the resident Aussie in the office, I'm, I'm chuffed. Um, to see some of my fellow home men um, doing well. Caligula's Horse, obviously, they say signed, since they signed to um, to Inside Out, have gone from strength to strength. And I think I think the latest album is the strongest thing they've done by a mile. Um, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it in circles as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to circles a lot. Like. But uh, I mean, obviously, the logistics, uh, we've got a question, funny enough, that uh, we'll be uh, answering or trying to answer in a bit. It kind of talks about this logistically it's um it's it's obviously australia being so far away um you know but we are seeing more and more um well they have to come over in little groups like this on tour don't they to make well, it worthwhile yeah, and I, I think so and also get have gigs in europe i mean it's it's not worth their while just coming over for no, no. I mean, Alithia are coming back and they're supporting Shining throughout Europe um, in November. So, you know, you're seeing, I think what we're seeing now is a concerted effort. Um, I, I think I think it's because, obviously, you know, there is a market 
for progressive music in clearly in the UK and Europe. I mean, there is in America, but logistically, you then have the problem of such a big country and only being able to play in certain places, which is a problem that I guess some of these bands face in Australia as well, because you've got this, you've got um, Progfest in Australia, this sort of travelling, uh, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Highlights are the homegrown acts, but pulls in big international yeah. headliner, and they play obviously Melbourne and Sydney and, and Perth, uh, Brisbane. Um, and and that's sort of but that's sort of the scene there and I guess to get bigger like the guys and, you know but also doesn't it it seems to me it's, it's prog metal based or are we not hearing a lot of well yeah what I mean we consider more well I, I suppose for, for people that like the, the more neo prog side of things um, I guess it band like Unitopia would have been your um, you know that would have been tailor made. Um, although we we ran a news story uh, only earlier this week uh, about the United Progressive Fraternity oh. who've signed to GEP IQ's label and um, are going to be uh, putting a new album out. And obviously you've got Sean Timms um, who was in Utopia um, who unfortunately recently suffered a heart attack. So hope you're uh, hope you're on the mend, Sean. Um, with Southern Empire now they're supposed to be coming over. Uh, to tour with Damanek and obviously Sean is in Damanek with yes. Guy Manning and that. Yeah, no, that, that should be a good. Um, so that that's kind of a, perhaps a bit more palatable to somebody that doesn't like the prog metal stuff. But then again, I mean, you know, Alithia, for example, are not. There's not. They're more sort of classic prog sound. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess. So I mean, there's this there's a broad spectrum. But then again, I mean, uh, was it was it this year or was it? I think it was very early on this year that we ran the six-page feature yes, on the whole Aussie this year, yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we With anyway. um, ACDC in, or Bond Scott's first band. Yeah, Fraternity. Fraternity. So, yes. Well, it wasn't his first band, but uh, he was in the Valentines before that. Oh, they, yes. they were, And then before that, he was in a, a he drummed in a pipe band in Perth. <laughs> but he was a kid then. But uh, anyway, perhaps that's a bit too much. Um, but yeah, it should be a good gig tonight. And um, oh, uh, interesting to see what crowd they pull. Um, you know, we, we go on and on about the sort of that split, the old and the young and with the the older that's be interesting. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. I don't want to labour that point. It's a good sized venue for them to appear at, I think. So yeah. So well anyway, I mean we've got well finally we're back. I must apologise by the way for um for um the tardiness of, 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 of the podcasts of late because we haven't done one since just before the Prog Awards and I've got to be honest once those Prog Awards are sort of get in the way it kind of becomes all consuming and I guess we're just sort of trying to find our feet again <laughs> in, 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 in the wake of all that um, and to be honest I've got to say we've got a very special podcast which will be coming up after this one that's actually already been recorded but we can't run it is tied into a specific date um, so what we'll have to do is really pick up the frequency of the podcast again so we can have a chat about what we thought about the gig tonight exactly anyway. that would be good right there's a few gigs coming up anyway so okay um readers questions we had a few sent in uh, put put a call out this morning on their social media and a couple of people come back we had the usual clowns trying to be funny but uh <laughs> oh side splittingly funny yes yeah, but, uh, but um so we've got got some that uh russ and i get to try and uh try and 
answer as best we can. And I guess they kick off with the Australian one first. Alex Hogg uh, posted up on the uh, Prog Readers group on Facebook. says, why is it that Australian bands have to be noticed overseas first before they get recognised in Australia? It's a question I'm prompted to ask because a German guy on the front row with me at B Prog, my friend, when Pliny was on stage, figured Pliny was huge in Australia when the reality is unrecognised in the mainstream and only mildly famous in the prog community here. Which is a, a very good question. So the question is Australian. Yeah. So um, couldn't he answer it better than us because we're in the UK? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, the, I think if you, you know, the preamble before this, talking about Caligula's horse circles, I built Sky and even Alithia and all that lot coming over. Um, it's not, this isn't something that's, that's unique to prog. I've got me, I mean, you know, I, ACDC were pretty famous in Australia, but they had to come over to the UK in 1976 and then go over to America in 1977 to really, really crack it. Um, and uh, the bottom line is that as big a country as Australia is, you have to remember that most people live on the outskirts largely, um, you know, by, by, by the coast. Um, and you've only got five territories and therefore five capital cities um, and then you've got the Australian Capital Territory with Melbourne which does uh, sorry not Melbourne with um, Canberra which um, doesn't seem to feature on, on on tours that we see I mean I'm sure bands do do play there but I mean obviously the Northern Territory there's not many people up there and that type kind of gets missed out so really you're looking at Melbourne Melbourne's always been a hotbed of creativity I mean ACDC had to leave Sydney and they moved to Melbourne and lived communally in a house in Melbourne to really start to make an impact before they moved back to Sydney where Albert their record label and yeah. the studios and, and that all were now you know you've got bands like Carnival and Voyager who are based out in Perth you know so you've got little strongholds in, in individual capital cities um and so are they big in those in, like, oh they will be they will be but as, as Alex points out I mean Pliny Pliny I mean by the nature of you know great music but because it's instrumental and it's guitar based obviously the impact is never going to be quite as much as a band like say Caligula's Horse are going to have or Voyager or Carnival or Cog obviously the great Cog who are very much the instigators of the kind of new prog sort of movement uh, and I'm very pleased to say that they've reformed not only have they reformed but they're coming over to the UK to play apparently um, I know this only because Rod Whitfield one of Prog's writers used to be the, I think he used to be the editor of Australian Rolling Stone and um, and he told me because obviously he wrote the Aussie Prog feature but I think I mean it really is the nature of where Australia is um, and there's only a certain you're only going to get to a certain level of of um before you need to look elsewhere to get bigger and obviously you cut that down the more specialist or niche you are as a band yeah um then you know the less impact you're going to have overall it's just a, i mean it's the nature of the beast it doesn't just affect prog bands it affects heavy metal I bands mean, and in your in your many years of publishing 
prog. Has it ever been felt that there is a market for a prog magazine in Australia itself? Not, I mean, is it just the market out there they wouldn't get famous anyway because there's too few? Of not, us? not not only that, but I mean, magazines in general publishing, you know, it's on a, such a smaller scale. Massive country, but you know, tiny population compared with the UK. Um, you know, other countries in Europe. You know, America, Japan, um, and that's you know, it's the scale of the country, the size of the population, um, the the niche appeal of the music. These are all factors, I guess, that you you've got to take into account. Um, you know, and so I mean, you could got to sort of say that probably, you know, it's a band like Carnival or Dead Letter Circus or the Butterfly Effect because they have major deals, probably are at a bigger level. Someone like Pliny. You know, it's a bit more niche because it's guitar We've based. seen Voyager twice this year. We have, yeah. So are they mid-level? They... Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, the thing with Voyager is they've got UK management. So, so come over to you a lot It more. kind of makes... And they've also signed now to Season the Mist, so they've got a UK label. Um, now, I know that there's, there's a pretty solid sort of management PR scene... Um, Basically, uh, Caligula's horse's manager, you know, is is very proactive in in general prog terms. I think he's very much behind Progfest, you know, um, and promoting bands. And then I've got mates out there like Chris Narich and, and and things like that who who are um, all very active, as well as doing the sort of like heavy metal press and things like that. So so there's definitely, I mean, you know, there is certainly something happening in Australia, but I just the logistics of the country, you know. I mean, a perfect example, just to prove that this isn't unique to to uh, Australia, is um, you look at some a band like Blackstone Cherry, who aren't prog, I know, but you know they can play massive shows in the UK, and I know that they were had a band out here supporting them, who turned around and said to someone, "It's like this is amazing because they support us okay. in small clubs in America because yeah. they're just not known." So, you know. It's awareness, uh, I guess. Um, you know, but then you, it's interesting you, you, you ask, they, they you come ask. over here, and then when they make it bigish here on a house niche genre, then they become better known in us. Well, I, you'd like to think that's the case, and I, I guess often it is. Um, I mean, you ask about publishing because of the, you know, like I said, population. It's not a massive market. Um, you know. They don't really have a, a national music magazine. They kind of got free music papers for different areas, uh, you know, that you get get given away free gigs and things like that. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if there's an Aussie Rolling Stone still. Um, Hot Metal used to be the the Aussie rock magazine, oh, right. uh, which was uh, used to be published by my mate Steve Maskold. Um, and I think I've heard rumours about talks about trying to, to to bring that back, which would be great for the for the Australian music scene. But um, you know, the, the, it's it's the the magazine market is not massive. No. So okay, let's move on. Uh, I hope that at least went some way, Alex, to to answering your your question. Um, here's a fun one, and I hope you're ready for this. Uh, Neil Hopkins on Twitter uh, says, what are the five essential King Crimson albums for a complete newcomer to introduce them to their music? Now, I think five would be going on too long, so I'll cut, we'll do three, <laughs> shall we? So, 
Go on. Well, my personal favourites are... Oh, cool. these are your favourites. I know, but then that's what I'd recommend to people. Uh, okay, okay. Because Court of the Crimson King, Red, and I like Thrack. Right. Okay, well, you yeah. know... Sort of gives one a range of their different... I mean, there's Lark's Tuck. Well, you'll go. Well, you, you're going to be able to tell we didn't confer over this because, of course, I would say, in the Court of the Crimson King, <laughs> Red. Oh. <laughs> and... Discipline. Oh, right. I go, I go with discipline. Um, why have you chosen those three? Well, Call the Kings and Crim, uh, <laughs> Kings and Crimson King is the, the first album I heard of theirs, so, and it just blew me away. So it just sticks with me. And it hasn't like got worse over the years. When, so I, I, so, and I, it's, I agree. It's, it's aged incredibly well, and it still has... A, mess, a massive resonance and impact. Red, um, because of most of the songs on it, but I like the box set where it helped me sell my house last time. So. <laughs> oh, is that because you put it on? Yeah. To, to get to keep, the old to keep, I like this story. To keep the guy out of the kitchen where there was a damn the surveyor, surveyor, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, but he was a full surveyor, yes. And I had the box set and played nine of the CDs in a row at full blast. To keep him away from yes. it. And, I, and it worked. It worked, because I was working in my office in another room as well, so it wasn't like I was being dragged <laughs> out, but it worked. <laughs> I like that. And Thrack, I think, is really experimental, or it's a sort of yeah music I'm, that I like, I've grown to like. Um, so actually, since I joined Prog Magazine, I've definitely widened my um, tastes. And I like the more experimental. I mean, I think I as think... Jules would say, weird shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she'd probably say worse than that, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I chose red because it's it's like the sort of of those first period, which I go in the court to red. If you think it was only five years, but there was more yeah. than five albums. Um, and what was there? Oh. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six, six studio albums. Um, obviously, in the Court of the Kings and Cream. In the, oh, you yeah, 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 sorry yeah. about that. In the Court of the Crimson King. So we just say the Court? Yeah. Um, it, that, that defines their sound. Yes. And for many people, I think, defined what progressive what rock was then and to a certain extent is now. Um, and in red, it's almost like a different band, but you know, there's elements of the sound, and then there's a completely new sound. Because I'm a huge fan of the uh, USA album, the live album that came out in 1975, which I think is is f fantastic. But it's almost like proto heavy metal. They're so loud, and they're yeah. so heavy, yeah. and I think you know, for for those sort of prog fans who take a snobby attitude to, to metal, if you were to play them that and say it's King Crimson, they'd be like, mm, mm. yeah, but if they didn't know, sure? yeah, exactly. If they... um, but you know, Red has that element. It's it's sort of it's it's picked up everything that you know. They went off on jazzy tangents, and more classical stuff came in. And wasn't Red? They did that after. They've extensively toured a lot of the songs on that album, so it always seems complete yeah. to me. Well, yes, I mean, you know, because Starless had come, was largely recorded and pieced together live, but a lot of the material for Red was, was yeah, I agree, was, was sort of defined on that. I chose Discipline because I think you need to understand that there are different eras of, of Crimson, and 
I mean, I'm a huge fan of The Power to Believe, which is the last studio album that, okay, that, that Crimson yeah. made. I absolutely love that record. Just, you know, it just really resonates with me. Um, plus, I think perhaps in 2003, I didn't think I'd ever hear a, another Keith no. Crimson studio. So I really like that. But I'm going to go for, for discipline because... It, you know, it's like you've got to be aware that you can't just, if you're going to be into Crimson, you know, I guess there are people who go, I only like that era. I, I'd like to think I like all yeah, eras. Yeah. So you, you kind of need to be aware that they kind of and went a very left field for those three albums in the 80s and then went in a different direction, yeah. of course, when, when they got back together in the 90s and beyond. Are they doing some discipline? They are. Live. So they brought that well, into I'm, the I'm, live show. I yeah, I mean Caligula's Horse isn't the only um isn't the only um prog gig I've got this week. I'm off to see um King Crimson at the Palladium on Saturday and I'm really looking forward to it. So So but um okay, well there you go, Neil. There there's three albums each that we would suggest. Um be interesting to know what what other people think. I'm sure that you know yeah. someone will say, "Oh, you can, how can you leave out Lark's tongues in aspect?" And it's yeah, well, I guess it's got a case. Catch us on another day. Yes, yeah. I, suppose so. I wonder how many people though would put forward in the wake of Poseidon. Really? Is that? I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> right. Third and final question comes from Martin Simmons, uh, who also. Um, uh, sent this in via the Prog Magazine Readers Group Facebook page. Uh, he goes, what do you think will be Christmas stockings for the majority of your readership, presumably Stephen Wilson's film for one, what else? Nice. Well, I think he's, he's trying right to there, lead, isn't he? I think he's trying to yes. lead us on here. He's getting us to talk about Stephen Wilson so somebody can turn around and go, Not no, Prog Magazine, Steve all they ever do is talk about, about Stephen, Stephen Wilson. Wilson. We're wise to your ways. Or even review him in the latest issue. <laughs> um, I'm sure there'll be a few people, if they haven't got it already, will want... Um... I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, I think us prog aficionados get the, get the product as soon as it comes out, a lot of the time. I mean, that's what I gather from Facebook. That. And it's left to the, the other halves or siblings. No, so, yeah, so I suppose... Think, what should I get them? Well, I mean, what does you know, a we're, person need? We're, we're, we're never, we're never short of, of lavish box sets in, in the prog world. Um, and I mean, I know that we've got uh, Clutching of Straws is coming out before Christmas. I'm sure really? that'll be on a lot yeah. of people's lists in the same manner that they did Brave and Misplaced Childhood. Um, so I'm sure Meridian fans look at that. It's um, the, the triple disc version of the first Jethro Tull album, this was. Uh, he's coming out. There's Rush. The Rush Hemispheres. Hemispheres. Yeah, sure. That would be on a, on a few people's uh, lists as well. Um, I would like to think a subscription to Prog Magazine. That would you? be good. And more than that, Jerry, I feel that the um, range of T-shirts that are available on the Prog website. Yes, just go to the go to the merchandise section of the Prog Magazine website. It's going to be a perfect stocking filler for anyone. Well, if we're doing that, I'd like to think that uh, that, oh, excellent, that excellent book on here Prog, we go. Wondrous Stories: A Journey Through the Landscape of Progressive Rock. I, I can't remember who wrote it now, but I'm uh, sure that was uh, a bargain basement bin <laughs> near you right now. <laughs> um, all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, um, trying to think. Um, well, box sets, there's plenty coming out. But I'll, I'll tell you what, Magma have announced tickets for a gig for next October already. 
I noticed on uh, on the internet. So I'm sure a few Magma fans will be like, oh, I'd like them for Christmas. If that, unless of course, it, yeah, it has Because as soon as you said that, I thought, well, Meridian playing at the um, Royal Albert Hall again. Indeed, yeah. Because there's their show on DVD, isn't there? Two it's nights with an orchestra. Yeah, I mean, I thought that would be, but that's probably all gone. Or Steve, gone. Steve Hackett's tour, um, where he'll be doing Selling England by the Pound. In its entirety. Um, so plenty of things I would have thought, uh, thought uh, Martin, not just Mr. Wilson. You can probably hear the thumbing of pages. Thumbs it right by the microphone. Uh, we've got a brand new issue of Prog Magazine that uh, went on sale yesterday with King Crimson on the cover. Um, and not just King Crimson on the cover, but Al Murray, the host of the Prog Awards, which we'll sort of chat about after this, but Al Murray, the lucky sod, <laughs> went off to Pompeii to see King Crimson and has written a big part, which is already receiving plaudits on social media. From the band themselves. From the band and, and the readers as well. Um, someone very kindly sort of went, I didn't think I was going to be up to much. And then I read it and it was really good. <laughs> so, um, because obviously Crimson are on tour at the moment um, and next year we'll be celebrating their 50th anniversary. So, uh, like I said, Al was the lucky one. Well, it was a good shout by you to ask him to write it, because obviously we know lots of um, celebrities who are into our music, but you don't know whether they actually make... I mean, it, it was a perfect piece, wasn't it? So the, the subbing, I'm told, hardly, hardly anything. He, he so was, he, he I, can write. Well, the he, boy can write. He can write. He, not only can he write, he handed his work in two weeks early. Take note, Prog Magazine contributors. Um, <laughs> And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really, really good piece. Really, really enjoyed it. I only took the picture on the contents page. Yeah, if, you, yeah, if you've got your copy of Prog Magazine to hand, have a look uh, inside the front cover and that photo. Very good photo, I have to say. It captures, uh, I guess, it's at the end of the set. Um, Picture-wise, actually, throughout, throughout the issue, um, we've got some brilliant pictures that you're unlikely to have seen um, for the King Crimson feature, mostly because um, they came from the band themselves and Tony Levin. Yeah, most of them were Tony Levin. That, that great yeah, this, double page spread on 46. Of them all punching the air. Punching the air. This, it's real behind the scenes, sort of fly on the wall stuff. Um, you know, if you're a Crimson fan and, you know. You'll only be disappointed that there's no pictures of Tony in them because he's the one behind the camera. Well, there is a couple. Oh, that's, the, yeah, that's the standard yeah. um, fresh shots taken by but, uh, David Singleton. And but yes, so uh, King Crimson on the cover. Lovely, and uh, you can't help but miss the cover because it's in bright red crimsony red crimson red yes yeah. it's almost like we thought about it it is isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah if you're a King Crimson fan uh, you, you're going to love uh, well hopefully you'll love the new issue also we've got eight pages talking about Al Murray eight pages of coverage from the Prog Awards which of course was hosted by Al Murray and what a brilliant host he turned out to be well actually I say that um you weren't there, were you, Russ? I wasn't there. I was off sick with a bad back. A lot better now, thanks. So, and um, but I did watch it on Facebook feed. Yeah. Um, just to check that you wouldn't have a go at Tottenham Hotspur like you normally do, which you didn't. So, and in fact, I think I think I very very nicely dedicated the last issue to you because yes, Hannah and I were so upset, so upset that well, we were genuinely upset that you couldn't make the prog awards. I've got to be honest. Because um, it's the first time that not the three of us won't wouldn't have been there. Yeah, together. No. Um, to miss it. To to explain a sort of timeline to people listening, um, 
we went to press the day before the Prog Awards in reality at about half past one the morning of the Prog Awards Um, now we, we were in the office and then it was like the, the cleaner was cleaning up around us and then she's like I've got to lock the office up now um, you can't stay beyond I think it was half eight only on a Wednesday and of course that was a Wednesday so otherwise you'd be alright so we all had to pack up our laptops all disperse to our individual homes and then apart from Russell who was, me, I was, I was at home working yeah. all day um, and, and then pick it up again and try and finish which we managed to do yeah um, although I don't think we'll ever have a prog awards today after we've gone to press again. But, so, but you you hurt your back, didn't you? Because oh, you were actually were off work. I mean, it, it started off you were off work, and then it was it got, and then a phone call came through from Russ. I don't think I'm going to make the awards, and I'm like, oh, come on, mate, see what you can do. Can't, you know, it's not just because we've all got individual things that we have to do at the awards. Russell is in charge of, of the press room largely, where all the photos that you can see in the latest issue of all the winners. Um, and uh, and the guest presenters and that with their awards after they've come off stage, um, uh, you know you're with, with there with normally with Kevin Nixon, one of our photographers. That's right. Who always um, takes the winners? You know, shots, um, with obviously I'm I have to go up and do the the introductory speech and normally I present an award. This year it was to the lovely Claudia Brooken. No, very um, good. Which I very much enjoyed. Um, and, and yeah, I've, I've had a few people actually say, did you make that up? That Because that, what basically I was talking about propaganda, a part of the reason that she got the Outer Limits Award, the other obviously being the work she's doing with uh, Jerome Froser now, um, Edgar's son. Um, and I got into propaganda when I saw the video for Dr. Mabusa on Channel 4. And it was all Anton Corby in black and white, very mysterious. And yeah, it was kind of electro-pop, but it has something else to it, like a lot of sort of ZTT stuff. And of course, it was a bit yeah. of a proggy influence. And, you know, as, as sort of Claudia said in recent interviews in Prog Magazine, you know, that was part of what they did. But obviously, being the 80s, no one really talked about Prog, but the, still the influence was there anyway. So yeah. I was kind of hooked into it. But obviously, I was a bit of a rocker. <laughs> didn't, and you didn't go buying pop seven-inch singles. But my sister had it. So I stole it off her. <laughs> and this is genuinely true. Uh, she had it, I stole it off her, and I still have it. I still got that seven inch um, of Dr. Mabusa. So yes, that bit was true. But anyway, so I have that. And then Hannah's um, obviously sort of, uh, out amongst the, the guests, chatting to people. Yeah, representing the magazine. Yeah. yeah. So obviously we all have stuff to do before we get drunk afterwards. <laughs> But, but this year, of course, unfortunately, uh, old Russ was, uh, well, laid up isn't the right word. You should. <laughs> well, I, was, I couldn't sit down, so I had to stand up. But um, what was doubly um, miserable for me was after we went to press on one twenty in the morning, yeah. you would have sauntered off to bed like Hannah. I had to I stay did, up. I, 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 I did saunter off to bed until, straight to sleep. Until 3.30 that morning, I then had to... Do the um, table plan oh, for yes. everyone who's sitting down at the mill. Oh, that's really and rubbing the, salty. The sickening thing is, I saw a first list that had my name on one of the tables, and then by the second list, I was gone. <laughs> so, but yes, so, but then again, you watched it on. It was what's it like? What's it like? Yeah, because it. this is something we've never seen. Well, that's exactly. I thought I'd, 
watch it because we because we're there we never know what how it's going out the feed so the um it's a static camera feed the the sound could be better but oh you could hear everything what you can see is everyone's having a jolly good time <laughs> so what's more interesting is you see the um comments as people right. type them mm-hmm. coming up you know and yes. that's that's you know it's quite popular a lot of the people will go oh well, only 20 people there, because that's the trouble of a static right. camera. What, what would be good is a panning round. Panning round now and again, just to see. Well, that's interesting to know, because so, obviously, you know, next year we might, we might have... I guess it's just too clunky if you've yeah, got Yeah, no, but I suppose we never watch it. Yeah. And what, the only time we will see it is when the um, web team will edit it up into little bits that then we put up on the website. But, but that, because it's Facebook Live, doesn't happen anymore. No, that's so. it, we can't do it. So, you know, we, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was watching for an hour and a half solid at the front. And there wasn't any so joke I, about Tottenham Hotspur this There wasn't, you had very kind words about me there. So Although I did get a bit joking there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yes, uh, going back to uh, the, the issue, eight pages, um, the full story with quotes from all the winners. Um, I have to say, Al Murray was brilliant. I thought. I mean, hilariously funny. But he, how Gen- was that guy? He, um, oh, well, the big song from Martin. Um, yeah, he took it. He took it very well. Okay. Fortunately, um, I, you know, it was great. Obviously, you know, uh, Steve Wilson came along. But it's amazing when you what it's this seventh year, isn't it? It's seventh year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's big, it's big names. We're not running out of people. No. You go, wow. Well, Roxy Music, yeah. Proker Horum, um, you know, uh, Barker well, James Harvest. Yeah, and Caravan. Yeah. That uh, fella Stephen Wilson again. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, PFN. Amazing, they just seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, Alan Parsons Project. Yeah. Obviously, Big Big Train. Um, Orphaned Land. So, yeah, it's... Um, I, I've got to say, I, I, I thought it went really well. It was Steve Howe, I thought it was brilliant at the end. Yes. Like, really funny, yes, very engaging. Yes. Bill Bruford was hilariously funny as well. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was from overall, I, you know, it, it was it was a, it was a great night. I know it went down very well with everybody else there. But, um, but let's go back to the issue. Oh, we got oh, I actually wrote wrote a feature this issue, Haken. And I think the reason we did that was because. Um, Obviously, there's a connection with Haken and the magazine that, that goes back to the second issue, where we uh, we had a track um, from their demo, 2008 demo, which is called Enter the Fifth Dimension. And um, we had a track called Black Seed from that demo on the very second CD of the second issue of Prog Magazine. And, um, what number was that? Oh, don't get me started <laughs> on those numbers. Because we'll just set the readers off and then we won't hear the end of it. Um, and from that, they got signed to Laser's Edge uh, and got two albums out. So then we ended up, you know, they were back in, we'd done a limelight piece on them and then back in doing an interview about Aquarius. Um, so it really, it was a bit like, well, I'll do this interview because it's been 10 years, go and sit down with them and, you know, <laughs> see what's happened to us both over the last 10 years. Um, and you know, I mean, I think if you look at what they've achieved from from where they started ten years ago, it's a phenomenal rise. You got to bear in mind when Marillion did something like this in the eighties. You know, they had Top of the Pops and they had a bit of radio backing yeah, and things yeah. like that. You know, and 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 a lot more magazines to write about them. Haken have pretty much had Prog Magazine, the support of the fans, and and 
I think, and you know, and the prog community, and that's it. And they've done it, you know, and they are at a, quite a high level now. Yeah, I mean, not, I, I, when I joined the, the magazine, the first feature, one of the first features in the first issue was the Aquarius one I had to design, and I'd previously just seen them at the Pill in Kingston supporting Touchstone, and then they had a great following there. They're local. Isn't that gig you said that we, yeah. you watched them after they'd finished about half the audience walked out? Half the out. audience went, yeah, unfortunately, so Touchstone had half the audience left, but it meant I could get to the bar quicker. Ah, well. Yeah. Which was a pain while Hagen So there's Hagen, really, really good interview with Andy Tillerson back on fine form with, um, with his brand new album, The Pool. Oh, it's a lovely album, that. It's a great photo as well, I really like that picture of Andy out, out in the countryside. Um, oh, and, yeah. Lovely pictures for the I Am The Morning, um, taken out in Norway, where they, they recorded really? Ocean, Ocean Sounds. Sounds. A nice piece of them. Very first piece we've ever done on Griffin, who are back together. Oh, right. R- really? So yeah, not we've... even a historical no, piece back No, no. Well, day? it was very difficult to, to get hold of anybody when they weren't around. And then they kind of, they had a sort of muted comeback. And again, it's been, but now they've got a new album out and they're playing live. And so Dave Oberlay, what you don't know that Malcolm Dome, who did this piece, didn't put in there is that Dave Oberlay, when I first met him, was the ad manager for Kerrang! magazine. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he'd given up music entirely, apart from, you know, he was in publishing. The Outer Limits Band, The Pretty Things, How Prog Were They? Well, SF Sorrow, it was, according to Michael Hand's piece, the, the very first rock opera. Yeah. It predated Tommy by about two months. I can't. But Tommy got all the plaudits and SF Sorrow. But, uh, you know, looking at your shout, obviously you've got one or two going, never heard of them. <laughs> but um, people seem to, uh, a lot of the readers seem to accept that uh, certainly for a, a part of their career, uh, they, they delved into prog. So. Yeah, and that's, that's what the Outer Limits is about. They're not completely prog, but mm. they're prog enough in certain times that make an interesting story and definitely an interesting listen. So you yeah. should try and get that album just to listen to whether it's on Spotify or something I don't know now this is a good album actually I really like Martin Barr he's his latest album um, which uh, Back to Steel is it Back to Steel no it's not is it uh, Roads Less Travelled Back to Steel is the one before I think Roads Less Travelled uh, to me signifies Martin really sort of starting to find himself as a solo artist outside of what you know the Jethro Tull thing um, Definitely, but I always, I've always found because, say, unlike um, Steve Hackett, who, who still uses a lot of Genesis material in his covers, Martin tries to stay away from that. Well, I like, I like, I like, well, one of the so, quotes. So he is, I, I don't play Aqualung on stage because it's a cheap way of getting the audience on your side. I want to win them over with music where they go, wow, I wouldn't think he'd play that one. So he's not really turning his back on Tom. No. But he's, I, he's, and you know what? I kind of like that. He's, I, I mean, obviously you're it's get like you're getting the B-sides with yeah. him or something, which is good, isn't it? I mean, that's what... Yeah, because, I mean, if you go and see Ian, uh, well, which I, I still enjoy doing, um, you kind of know what you're going to get. Yeah, you know yeah. that he's going to encore with... Uh, locomotive breath you know um, so Martin adding that frisson of excitement yeah. so it's a good thing for all Toll fans if both of them are out on the road yeah you get, I agree you get the full I, I gamut agree. of um, Jethro Toll goodness and uh, Fido or Fido Fido or Fido Fido I'd say just because Fido, Fido sounds like a dog <laughs> 
Um, yeah, interesting that we finally... Well, I mean, to be honest, um, there'd been a gap, I think, between uh, the magazine coming out and him really sort of reactivating. What interests me most about this is this guy's actually the, the director of the long-running TV... The longest-running American TV, TV soap, General Hospital. Yeah. Which used to feature nice. Rick Springfield. <laughs> But um, and and sort of the, you know the musical activity is um, is his um, sort of his sort of side hobby as it is. But the, the, the new album Infernal, I really like. Yeah, no, I like that. And th- I mean, he took his time doing it, but that's because he can afford to take his time. So it's yeah. it's a labour of love rather than he has to get something out to to please a record company or something like that. So in that sense, he's he's able to take more time over it. I suppose being a director, he's able to self-edit his own music as well, because that might be a... It's not yeah. overblown album at all, is it? I mean, no, it's, no, it's, it's absolutely quite good. Now, the next band in the issue, <laughs> Thumper Monkey. Now, tell you a story about Thumper Monkey. Um, Summer's End, they were playing one year, and I remember um, there's people coming up to me going, at which point sort of, Summer's End started dabbling with one left field band. Right, you know, and it was a uh, knife world, I think, with the first, and they got down really, really well. Uh, and I remember, I remember Carvers walking in, going, "Oh, they're going to hate us! They're going to hate us!" And they, you know, there's there's enough going on there. Um, you know, there's some of the Zapper stuff and yeah, and, and other sorts sort of things that the, the the crowd got it. But when you're playing to a crowd who largely want to see a certain style of progressive music, so anyway, they're going to me and say, "Thumper Monkey, what are they like?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, how could I describe what Thumper Monkey sounded like back then, which was about eight seven or eight years ago and I went okay imagine 80s era King Crimson crossed with television the American band art rock band and I went oh that sounds alright and they came on and they started with some lovely sort of Genesis keyboards and they went straight into that sort of angular discordant stuff and the room practically empty <laughs> so it's going to be a bit of a challenge I think there's probably people listening now going well oh, I saw them once no, I've never listened to them again this new album is and this like, new it's going to be my top Five definitely. It's yeah, it's superb because it it's it really dials up the the, the mellow yeah. melodic prog side of things. There's no angular guitar and discordant noise. It's a real prog record because uh, one of them actually does film uh, does uh, film scores. It's definitely so cinematic, it, yeah, isn't it? It's yes. cinematic in scope. Um, so yeah, like and only thirty eight minutes long. Indeed. So, well, ah, of course, but, oh no, some people will say that's well, too short for a no, program. That should just be the first song. Vola, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Danish band, they're coming on a, a leaps and bounds. Saw them at um, they they were one of the more prog metal kind of uh, exponents at Bloodstock this year. Went down really, really oh, well. Oh right, okay. Um, and of course, Voivod, whose new album is the proggiest thing I think they've done since. I guess Angel Rap back in 1991. Um, in terms of sort of real prog, you know, there's less metal definitely, and a lot more yeah. prog on the record. And it's one of the most enjoyable Voivod albums that I've heard in a long, long time. What I like about them is all their press pictures, they just wear band, other band t-shirts, yeah. always black t-shirts. Yeah, oh, so when I got the one that we're using, I yeah. thought, I had to check with the PR that it wasn't, you sure it's a new one? <laughs> Cardiacs, pill, I don't know what that is. Actually, it looks like uh, something from Harry Potter. Yeah. And well, and uh, Away's just wearing straight black, but uh, Black Peaks, 
That's the uh, the the sort of left field, the, like a polished mastodon. Oh, is how very be. nice. Is that are they going to use that quote in their advertising? Well, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? And then uh, and then Jeff Downs, of course, is the subject of the prog interview. The uh, the best bit in that, I think, is when he reveals that his his very first musical job, oh yeah, <laughs> was a stage version of the Wombles. So. Hey, don't knock the Wombles. Hawkwind have done an album with Mike Batt. They have indeed. So, um, but yeah, like that picture of him at his own studio, pouting yeah. away, very good. Um, but obviously, I mean, Jeff's had a fantastic career. Um, you know, he's done so much. So it's good to get him in. And, and he played very well at the Prog Awards. He did. Yeah, lovely tribute to John Wetton um, with uh, Nathan James from Inglorious singing with him as well. And in fact, Nathan James, I just saw, heard on an advert the other day, he's um, part of the um, Jeff Wayne's War of the World touring musical. Doesn't surprise me, so. he's a very talented young man. So there you go. Okay, well, I think we've waffled on long enough, don't you? Um, I think so. There's, uh, you've been listening to Jerry Ewing and Russell Fairbrother, um, and we're off to see Caligula's Horse tonight. Uh, Ripper. Yeah, Ripper, mate. Yep. And, um, yeah, well, the next podcast, uh, which will be out uh, towards the end of November, something very, very special indeed. That's the one following this, uh, but obviously we'll advertise that nearer the time. For now, we hope you enjoy this, and uh, we will try and record one of these in about a week's time to get a flow of them going, yeah? Excellent. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.